Let's read it together. We're going to read 17 through 19. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls to those who will, as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a good conscience desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things and I urge you all the more to do this so that I may be restored to you sooner so if you've been with us in this study as it gets to chapter 13 we, we've talked about it's just a staccato how do you how do you press on how do you continue to follow after the Lord you know a big piece of this right it started with well you love you got to love the brother and you got to love the stranger that's what we're trying to do with the toys or more got to remember and love the people that are in prison we got to take care of our marriages we got to be content with what we have uh, we, we've got to remember that of, of our position that we have in Christ. And last week we talked about that importance of the fact that we're all believer priests in the midst of this. And part of the thing he's talked about is this idea of leadership. In fact, uh, about a month ago, I, when... Um, when we had been over in Israel, Trevor was preaching, and he was on verse 7, and, and he's talking about leadership there. It says, remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the results of their conduct. Imitate their faith. So I want to start with talking a little bit about spiritual leadership, because here's the thing, folk. Spiritual leadership is servant leadership. Spiritual leadership is never... It's never draconian. It's, it's never uh, like a, a dictatorship. It's never someone my way or the highway. It's, it's about servant. I mean, Jesus set that as our example. I mean, the, the great picture that he gave of spiritual leadership was this idea of, of a shepherd and the sheep. And you think of what uh, Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder, shepherd the flock of God. Exercise oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, not for sword gain, but with eagerness, not as lording it over those but is proving to be an example. In fact, if you remember even verse 7, what was he said? Those that led you consider the result of their conduct and imitate them. That's what spiritual leadership was always to be about. It was to be modeling. It was to be encouraging. You, you think of a shepherd. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd protects. A shepherd leads to greener pastures. And of course, Jesus is the perfect example of this, right? You watch him as he, as he ministered to his disciples and he, he was patient and he was kind. And, and yes, there were those moments that he rebuked them and he brought them back into truth. Of course, the, uh, you think of the, the night of the upper room when there were nobody there to wash their feet. And so Jesus, knowing who he was, took off his outer garment, took on that towel, went and washed their feet. And he says, you call me master and Lord, and you're right, I am. And, but you see what I've done. You need to do this to one another. Servant leadership. There was another time, they were talking about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And I think in their mind, right, you get close to power, right? It's a place of, of privilege, I mean, we see it in our own government. Let's be honest, right? The, the, the people that are empowered the longest, I mean, 
they, they make the rules to benefit them. That's just how it works. It's just, it's just human nature. But Jesus said, but that's not the way it is in spiritual leadership. He says this, if anyone wants to be first, he's got to be last. A servant of all. A godly spiritual leader is a servant. That, that's God's design. And God gives these servant leaders to the church. It's part of his blessing. It's part of a, a gift. You, you go, you know, there are some people. So last week we talked about, last week we talked about the priesthood of every believer. That we are all equal. There are no big shots with God. There are no little shots with God, right? Right, we're all ch his children and, and we, we all are believer priests. We all have access to his presence every moment of every day. And that's true. But because of that, some people think, well, there's, there shouldn't be any leaders. That, you know, we're just, because we're all equal, you know, we should, and that just is foreign to the way the Bible speaks. The Bible always talks about authority. When you look at how God worked in the Old Testament, he always chose a leader. You look in the New Testament, in this church, he, he specifically gave it gifted men and women for leadership. You go to Ephesians chapter 4. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. That There needs to be an authority structure. There needs to be leadership. There needs to be that direction that is given to the body of Christ. When uh, Paul met with the Ephesian elders, remember he's going back to Jerusalem and he knew something was going to happen, so he called them out actually to come and meet him at the boat. And he gave them those words of encouragement. This is what he says in Acts 20. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now wait a minute. Who appointed those others? Elders. Well, it was probably Paul. But his point was, it's not me. This isn't a man thing. This is a God thing. God's design is for there to be leaders in the church. The problem is, is that there's an enemy out there. And I use two words here because sometimes he plants ungodly leaders and sometimes he creates them. Let me explain what I mean by that. By planting them, Jesus told us they're going to be false teachers. They're going to come as, you know, looking like a sheep, but inwardly they're not. They're, they're, they're ravenous wolves. It's all about them, right? And so, so those are the ones that are planted. But others are created because, quite honestly, they, they know Jesus. They love Jesus. But they get in leadership and temptation comes. Temptation comes with the, the privilege and sometimes the honor and sometimes the pride of leadership. And their hearts turn from the Lord and being the shepherd that he wants. And, and so as, a, as part of the community of the church, all of us have to be discerning about spiritual leaders. Sometimes people ask, well, how, how can you discern? Well, I think it's pretty simple. Number one, what, what the writer of Hebrews said here in verse 7 is consider the result of their conduct. Look at a spiritual leader. Look at their marriage. Look at, um, 
look, look at their staff. Look, I mean, one of the things you can usually find in a church is a church culture. Is it, is it a culture of grace? Is it a culture of compassion? Is it a culture of helping and caring? Or is it a culture of, of serving those in leadership? Uh, secondly, you can listen to what they say. Are they biblical? Are, are they preaching and teaching the word? Maybe I could put it like this. Do they make much of Jesus? Because I tell you what, if you go and you hear a, a spiritual leader and it's all about them and it's all about what they want to do or what they've done and there's not much Jesus, there's a problem there. Because the whole reason we're here, because of Jesus, right? You got to make much of Jesus. And the third thing, we'll talk about this in a moment, is... Every spiritual leader is also under spiritual authority. What spiritual authority do they have in their life? And they, do they walk in that same obedience and submission? So let's look at the text. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Now, let's be honest. These are two words our culture hates. Now, I don't know if this is a worldwide phenomena or if this is just America you know our rugged individualists we don't like anybody telling us what I don't know but we don't like these words um, you know I, I've told you some of my funniest times are doing a wedding and reading the words in Ephesians so wives submit yourself to your husbands and oh boy just watching the it, it, I mean you pay good money I mean it's just fun right <laughs> Well, so when you look at these words, the first thing you need to know is the Greek word here that is translated obey is not the same Greek word, for instance, that's translated obey in Ephesians 6. Like, children, obey your parents. It's a different Greek word. This is pithos, and it has the idea of being persuaded, allowing yourself to be persuaded in order to trust to give somebody influence in your life. And so when it talks about obedience, it, it, it's, this, it's, a, it, it's kind of this personal piece that I love. Now, here's the thing. Uh, for sometimes people that have been in a situation where there was abusive spiritual leadership or people in spiritual leadership that were not godly people, they were not servant. It's hard, right? Your defenses are up. And this is something that that you struggle with but this is what we're called to do is to find that place where we can be persuaded to to trust the leadership that god has given to us the word submit the best way i think you could probably describe that is the idea of yield listen to what they're saying and here's the thing spiritual leaders must also obey and submit to spiritual leadership that god gives them we're all in authority are under authority so for instance the leaders of a church the way god designed the church is are the elders quite honestly it's not the pastors it's not the deacons it's not some committee and i don't mean to step on anybody's toes but it's not the congregation it's the elders and so for for us, we have nine elders. I'm one of them, but I am subject to them, right? I, I, they are my spiritual authority. And so when we have these issues, like are we not are we gonna have church on Christmas Day, right? Because it's a Sunday, right? That's something that we do together. 
And in those moments, and it doesn't happen very often, but in those moments, if, if they were to come where they felt this is the way we ought to go, and I was thinking we ought to go this way, my responsibility is to submit. It's to humbly take that as God's wisdom and to listen. Oh, by the way, what authority are they under? The under authority of Jesus and his word. As we're going to see in a minute, they're going to stand and give an account for that. So we're all under authority. And so what he's trying to remind them of is in this time, again, they're facing persecution, it's difficult, but they need to learn to trust and to yield to their spiritual leaders. Because what spiritual leaders are trying to do is to give them wisdom and discernment. And you think about for those of you who've been around, you know, you, you know the drill. You come here, what is it that I'm going to say every stinking weekend? And quite honestly, everybody gets up here. It is that we want you to engage with God, connect with others, and live on mission. Why? Because it makes us a great church? No, it might, but that's not why we say it. The reason we say it is we think that that is exactly the thing that you need to do, I need to do, in order to become a fully devoted follower of Christ, a disciple of Jesus. We need to engage with him, spend time in his word uh, regularly, talk to him. When we talk about connect with others, that, that this is, you know, that discipleship is done in community because you learn from others but you also get to serve others you get to use your gifting you get to do what jesus did and to serve others and this idea of living on mission is that we get to show jesus with our life to the world around us and share jesus with our lips that is spiritually the most important thing that we can do that's what that's why we are to listen that's why we're to obey and and this is what he says that when you do that when you submit to it it brings your spiritual leaders joy not peace now now look at again let's look at verse 17 obey your leaders submit to them for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account, let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Now, I know that in our language, it kind of reads like they're going to give an account and they want to give the account with joy and not grief. I would argue, I, I think that's a misrepresentation of, of what he's saying. Because the, the main verb of the sentence, the main clause of the sentence, are they keep watch over your soul. Let them do that with joy and not grief. Because that's something that happens today, not something that's going to happen in the future. My dad used to call it the weight of ministry. And I'll never forget, I was uh, been on staff with him. I was getting ready to go pastor and... He was sitting in his, he had an office with one of those big old pastor desks, right? And he's sitting in his chair and he said, Steve, you know, I've tried to prepare you. I've tried to, to get you ready. You're ready to do this, I know, but there's one thing. He says, there's one thing that I can't teach you. There's one thing I really can't prepare you for. And he says, it's the weight that comes with this chair. And I thought, oh, okay, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I got that, right? And then I became a pastor. 
and begin to sense this weight of people's lives. And that as you try to lead and direct, some don't listen. Some are going to do what they're going to do. And it's, I mean, there's times I go home and talk to Tammy. And it's, just, it's just, it's like watching a train wreck in slow motion. And you see it coming. And you're warning. And you're yelling. And you're just trying. And they're just going to go do what they're going to do. And it crushes the heart. <laughs> so it's funny. I had that same talk with both uh, Kyle before he went out to pastor and Michael before he went out and planted. And it's funny, man. About six, eight months later, they all, the, both of them circled back around. You know, that weight of the chair? I get what you mean now. I thought I did, but no, I didn't. But now I do, right? Because it's, it's the weight of people's hearts. You're, you're, my heart's desire as a pastor, as a shepherd, just like theirs, is that our people would follow after Jesus that they would grow in their relationship with the Lord. And so we want to bring wisdom. But it's hard, and, and to be frank, and I don't want, you know, I really want today not to be about me. I, I just, but I want you to understand the text. And, and when he talks about with grief, and the word that he uses there for grief is this idea of these inner groanings. It's almost like the sigh. And, you know, and let's, you know, we're all friends, and I love you, and, I think you love me, right? You know, now that you understand I'm not going liberal and all that. Um, but, you know, we talk every week about the importance of being in community, the importance of serving. But to be honest, 30, 40% of the people that are here this weekend will come in, they will enjoy the worship, Hopefully they'll enjoy the sermon. They'll go out. And that's it. And they're not engaging a community. They're not serving. And see, what I see, you know, because people say, oh, you're trying to get people to serve because it helps the church. No, 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 it's, it's about you. Because here's the thing. Why don't you get in community is that what I know, because I've been around the block a few times, is none of us knows what tomorrow holds. And tomorrow you may be in a place where you're going to need community. And that's not the time to go looking for it. You need to already have it built. And I know the joy, the, 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 the purpose that comes with, with serving Jesus right investing in little kids and teaching them the word of god or serving on a tech team right the community that comes there and i also know that one day we're all going to stand and give an account and on that day you're we're all going to wish that's what we had done his whole point is they keep watch over your souls it's not profitable for you if they do it with grief because it just means you're not listening Again, it doesn't mean we're know-it-all. It's just all we're trying to do is to take God's word and to shepherd. Because we love that. That's what God has called us to do. And then he reminds us of this, that all spiritual leaders one day will stand. Give, one day I will stand and give an account of my spiritual leadership here at the church. Our elders, we're going to stand and give an account. It's a heavy thing. Remember what James said? He says, not, not many of you become teachers. Why? Knowing that as such, we will incur a stricter judgment. There's a higher bar. 
there's a higher expectation. Peter, when he talks about it, he's talking to elders and he's encouraging them because they're in a difficult thing and he just reminds them when the chief shepherd appears, for those of you that have elder, eldered well, you'll receive an unfading crown of glory, a special, right? There's, there's a judgment, there's, an, there's a time coming of assessment to all this. So what does he call us to do? Don't miss this. Verse 18 is actually the start of a new paragraph, but I think it's coming out of this of submit and obey to our leaders. And what does he say? He says, pray for us. For we are sure that we have a good conscience desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. You need to pray for your spiritual leaders. This isn't easy. I mean, there's so many different things that, that we, we process and that we want to lead well and we have the weight on this. And, and you know, the truth is, and there's an enemy. And I would like to tell you that when you become a leader of the church, that all of a sudden, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, they all die to you. But they don't. You think about the book of Hebrews. Don't drift. Do you think drifting is not a concern? Just because somebody's a leader? Don't turn away. Do you think in the hardness of ministry that just because somebody's a leader that there's not temptation to turn away? And let me ask you, if Satan could just have one person, one person in our church family who fell morally, who do you think he wants? Somebody who just kind of comes and sits? Or one of our elders? Which causes the most harm? We need your prayers, folks. Because the reality is, we're not perfect. We're still, you know, we're, we're still working this out just like everybody else. And his whole point is, we, we need your prayers, right? We're trying to conduct ourselves well. We're trying, we're trying to do this well so that we point people to Jesus, so that we model, so that we're serving, so that we're washing people's feet. But we, we don't always have it figured out. You know, and, and here's the other thing, and I don't know how to politely say this, so just but I'm trying to be as, as vulnerable as I can here because sometimes it's not even a matter that, oh, hey, we're giving up on the Lord or we're, we're just choosing to follow the enemy, but sometimes it's just a matter in the, in, the, in the fatigue of the battle that sometimes you just don't, you're not as cautious and sometimes, I don't know, the best way I can say it is you just sometimes step in it. You didn't mean to, but you did. And people get hurt. People get disillusioned, which is number one, why you always keep your eyes on Jesus. But number two, it's why you pray for your spiritual leaders. Man, we, we need it. We need you to pray that God will sustain us, that God will, you know, his whole point here that we would conduct ourselves well in all things because we don't want to bring shame. You know, I, I sometimes... Um, I'm sometimes envious of my dad, and if you've not met him, he was a godly man. He pastored church for 55 years, and he went home to be with Jesus uh, in the summer of 
19. And there's some of those moments where I'm just almost a little envious, right? Not only that he's home, but <laughs> he's out from under the weight. Because I've seen, I've seen good guys, guys that love Jesus. But guys who, guys who really messed up in the last miles of their journey, I won't be that. You need to pray for your leadership. I don't know how many of you know our elders here. We have nine of them. They're, they're, they're godly guys. They love Jesus. Every one of these guys, I, I trust with, with my life. If I didn't, they wouldn't, you know, there wouldn't be an elder. That's the kind of quality. But you need to be praying for them. You need to be praying for our staff. You need to pray for our ministry leaders. Some of you got a Sunday school teacher, and, and they just mean, you need to pray for them. Right, because we're all in this together. And for those that God has given the responsibility of, of leading and shepherding, you've got to understand they carry a big weight. But you get to help carry that weight because you get to pray for them, hold them up. It's a wonderful partnership that God has called us to. <music>